Hey, welcome to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. I'm going to put up some archives of old shows because there are some absolute gold in these things. And I'd like to uh, try to expose some of them to some new audience. Maybe you guys listened back in 2014 to this podcast, or maybe you didn't go back and search or whatever. But I do get a lot of requests from people saying, uh, hey, man, have you ever done a pod with this guy? And then I'm like, yeah, like five years ago. So there's some great shows back in these um, archives that we have. Been doing podcasts since 2008, people. So I'm going to uh, put some up here in the next, I don't know, few months, few weeks, whatever, and re, um, re-expose these shows to you people. So here's one with Villeman, Ferry, and Chad Reed, who I was a mechanic on for Yamaha for years, and got them all on the phone, and we told some funny stories and had some laughs and yeah, some really funny stuff in there, especially when Villeman tells a story of Reed spraying him with the uh, water at the Yamaha track uh, midweek. That was great. I really thought they were going to maybe fight when I was there. It got, it got weird and awkward. But anyways, look, and the sponsors now are Fly Racing, Maxis, Renthal, Motorsport.com, or what we do now. I don't know what's in these old shows for sponsors, but I'm leaving them untouched. So... You'll hear some sponsors that maybe aren't on uh, on the shows now, but it doesn't really matter. So thank you, everybody, for being a continued podcast listener all these years, and I hope you enjoy some of these archive shows. All right, away we go. A Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550-plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, Season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. BTOsports.com. Use the code PulpMX to save yourself money over there and get a little bit of a discount, whatever BTO Sports uh, sells. Brand new website, best tires around. Best tire prices around international shipping is uh, great as well. And, of course, Fox Racing, official gear of uh, Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon. 2015 Fox Racing stuff has dropped. Foxhead.com. Of course, one of our guests uh, affiliated with Fox in, a, in, a, in a numerous ways. But um, thanks for those guys for presenting this podcast. And, as usual, I'm your host, Steve Mathis. With me on the line, three guys that I can't believe it didn't really take a lot of effort to get this done uh three guys who are certainly pretty busy right now we are going to do what i call a super team podcast uh, i was a mechanic on team yamaha for uh three years with all three of these guys and i thought that uh two of them are retired and uh it'd be fun to get together and reminisce a little bit about the time at yamaha and uh different things and funny stories and this and that and, and so like i said i can't believe we got everybody on the line but first up uh this 1999 Summer Cross champion and uh, my rider, Tim Ferry. What's up, Timmy? No, not much, man. Thanks for having me. 
interesting. Yeah, this should be really interesting. Um, also on the line, uh, former 125 Supercross World Champion, GP Champion, Supercross winner, 250 National winner, 11 total wins, AMA competition, the David Villeman. DV, what's up? Hey, how you guys doing? I got to say, DV, you were the easiest guy to do. You said, uh, I'm free all day. You, you, yeah, all day, every day. It's Saturday for me every day. You know? so. <laughs> right. Uh, fantastic. And also on the line, uh, uh, still racing and still uh, still winning Supercrosses. And uh, now a proud papa of baby number three, the Chad Reed. Chad, thanks for doing this. What's up, guys? All right. Yeah, we were just talking before I hit record. There's seven children going on right now between you three, and uh, things are a little different nowadays, huh, Chad? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, DV was first to have kids. Uh, I think maybe his last year or two uh, mm-hmm. was when Charlotte was born. And so, uh, yeah, things have drastically <laughs> changed over the years. It's cool. Right. Uh, let's uh, let's touch on Yamaha a little bit. I guess uh, bef- let's get this out of the way right away. What's G- uh, DV, what's the best Jimmy Perry story? What do you got? What do you remember <laughs> about Jimmy? Oh, there's a lot of stories but um uh no this one day like uh we were testing our comp edge and um i bet him that he couldn't do a lap <laughs> that's uh, right yeah in his in his shoes or whatever like this like in casual clothes mm-hmm. just a helmet on <laughs> and go and three minutes for 500 bucks and i told him not to take like a bread lap just to just go right. for it yep and we were doing like I think maybe 220s or something or 230s. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to do it, you know, in those three minutes. And um, he went ahead and actually did uh, a side lap, which was not the rule. <laughs> and uh, the, first one, the first one, he was over three minutes, so I kind of won the bet. And then the second one, he was like 257 or something. He actually beat, he actually beat the, the three-minute mark. And, uh, but I was a good sport. I gave him 500 bucks right here. And like, he came back like an hour later before we left and he, and he gave him back says, okay, just uh, give the money or whatever. Did, did he wear, that, was, that was one of the funny stories. Did he wear a helmet? I don't remember. I don't know if he had a helmet on or did he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he, no, helmet. he had yeah. a helmet. Yeah. yeah he okay. had a helmet. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, those Doc Martin shoes, you know, like, and shorts. You know, <laughs> on the 450 Yamaha, you know, right. like, you know, you could have got her pretty easy. You know, yeah. you could get her with those bikes and, and with no gear. Oh, and burn, or burn your leg or whatever. God knows, yeah. Yeah, um, it was fun. Yeah. Um, what about, and that's one of his favorite sayings, what about, uh, Chad, what do you got for Jimmy Perry's story? <laughs> what, do you, what do you remember? I think like, uh, you know, like DV, I mean, there's so many, but, uh, mine's somewhat similar. I think, uh, I actually think we're all three of us were there. Um, and probably you too, Mathis, we're out at Kahia testing outdoors and it was so cold. It was actually starting to snow and, uh, we were testing, uh, it was a week before Salt Lake city and, um, you know, we were doing some outdoor riding and, uh, yeah. And I was, you know, we were all bitching and complaining and saying we didn't want to be there. And he kind of pretty much made us be there. And, and then, you know, we're walking the track the next, the very next weekend, you know, and it starts, you know, snowing during track walk. And that was it. He was a hero for the day. He was like, see, I told you, you know, you prepared for it, you know? Right, right. So, 
So yeah, I think we never never heard the end of that one. That he was he was right. But uh, yeah, I mean, many many stories of G- Jimmy for sure. And oh man, um, uh, Timmy, what about you? You got one that stands out? No, I don't think I have anything that really stands out. I've, everything I remember about Jimmy, I still see it today when I see him at the races. <laughs> yeah, him, him, him and him and DV just would. They're like almost a saint. They were just like. They would bicker like two, two. I don't know. Almost like brother, brother yeah. and sister, like yeah. little brother, big brother. Right. Well, <laughs> it's I, just like one would push one button, one would push the other button, and they would it would go on. It was all day entertainment. So <laughs> I was I was always the quiet one, so I just kind of always just sat back and watched. But they right. Jimmy, Jimmy I, always was funny. He always <laughs> wanted to be kind of like. Uh, like the boss, you know, like always tell you what to do. Well, he was the like, boss. He, <laughs> he was the boss. Yeah, but he was, but he was more like, you know, McCarty was way different. It was, it, it did not have to be that way, you know, like, and Perry always wanted to kind of like, um, uh, feel like he was the boss, you know, and tell you what to do. And, and, you know, and sometimes I'm sure he was doing shit like he didn't really want to do, but, because he knew we were going to be pissed about it, he said, okay, let's do this, you know? <laughs> right. And yeah. just because, I remember always, no. uh, every time you asked him, like, if he, he wouldn't even think about anything. He'd just, like, be like, hey, Jimmy, you know, like, can we, I think this is a good idea. Can we do this? No. <laughs> and you're like, well, don't you want to, don't you want to think about it? <laughs> and then, uh, and then, you know, as a, as, as all writers do, you're like, all right, I know you have a boss. And mm-hmm. Keith is going to talk to me, so then you just go over his head, talk to Keith, and then he has to do it anyway. So <laughs> yeah. it, was, yeah. it was funny. You're like, you're like, Jimmy, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. I can call Keith. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Hey, uh, DV and Timmy, you guys were teammates for a couple of years uh, on the factory team. Uh, Chad, you came over in 02, rode for Yamaha of Troy. Did you got, obviously, Timmy, you and Chad struck up a relationship when uh, when Chad was on Yamaha Troy a little bit, and uh, uh, did you kind of think that this guy was gonna be as good as he got to be? I mean, was it like I'm wondering? Like, obviously, Chad, you won every race in the 250 class, but one, you were pretty good. But you know, 250 Supercross, it's like, eh, okay, the guy's good. But Timmy, did you kind of think like, hey, this guy's gonna be on my team, and he's gonna be like really good? No, you know, I I, I didn't because, as you know, I. I don't follow what's going on in Europe. Right. Um, I probably didn't pay attention to the lights racing. Uh, what, well, it was 250F. He was on 250F then. Right. Uh, I didn't know it until we went to the Motocross of Nations. And that was kind of like, or it wasn't, it was, it was the, the, uh, the World Cup. Whatever they had. Yeah, the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and I thought for sure, I okay, well, he's just getting on the 450. No big deal. Um, <laughs> right, right. And he, and, he, and he beat me, and I'm like, whoa, okay. He's a lot better. I, you just don't expect somebody <laughs> right. to jump through the light, come from Europe, jump through the lights class in a year, and then go on like you know that. So I, he kind of caught me by surprise. Um, you know, also to me, just not paying attention to what's going on in the class below us. <laughs> right, right, um, right. Which is you, right? But, That's what you do. Yeah, but but yeah, but I think motocross or whatever that race was, um, I kind of was like, oh, okay, he's a he's a he's a contender. So. Mm-hmm. Chad, were you always going to ride for Factory Yamaha uh, when you were at Troy, or were you talking to other teams? No, I mean, I was talking to other teams, but uh, I was pretty 
happy with the whole Yamaha feeling, you know, like I, I feel like, you know, like when you're at Yamaha, it's more of a, like a family feel, you know, and it mm-hmm. kind of felt like, like Keith, I think, you know, the beginning of the years back then, I think Keith was really good about, um, you know, making you feel wanted and, and, uh, and, and, and honestly, they, obviously they had money back then. So, mm-hmm. um, it was actually financially the better deal for me as well. So, mm-hmm. um, the goal was obviously to stay there. I knew that 250 two stroke was really good and competitive. DV was winning um, on that, you know, in mm-hmm. 2002. So, I, you know, I knew that the program was good. Um, and then you kind of like when you're on the somewhat the satellite lights team, you kind of, you know, you get to ride at the, the yeah. factory track and, you know, you see, uh, you know, what everybody's doing. Jeremy had been there and obviously I looked up to Jeremy. So I kind of knew the program was all, you know, legit mm-hmm. and whatever. It was just a matter of, you yeah. know, trying to make the dollars and cents at that point. So they, they met that and then, uh, yeah, kind of didn't really know what I was getting myself into other right. than that. Uh, DV, what's your first memory of riding with Chad when he got into the big bike class? And did you, did you think like, huh, okay, this guy he revs the shit out of his bike in the air, but he's also really fast. Yeah. You know, it's, I was obviously in the U S when he came out and, uh, and um, I heard he got signed to to race in GPs for the uh, GHK or whatever, like Dugos team mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. And it was kind of like a surprise from everybody. And I was, you know, I've been following the GPs since, you know, I left, you know, and right. the results and see was going good. And, you know, obviously, like, at the beginning, it was tough for Chad. And then at the end, like, when, you know, he won the – Maybe the last or he won or got second. Yeah, Europe. In Europe, I was like, dude, you know, I know, like, the class. I know the track. I'm like, and I reached there many times. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's tough to win there, you know. like, And, you know, from that point, really, from that race, I'm like, the dude is, I don't know him, but he's good. If you went there, <laughs> right. he has to be very good, you know, like, because, you know, somebody that wins there is like, I don't know, uh, you know, winning in Lomo or something like really, really tough. Or let's say off-road is winning the Erzberg, you know, race in Austria. Like it's something really, really tough. So I knew it was good. Then after it, it's always, you know, mm-hmm. world-class, super-class, it's way different, especially in the U.S., you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but when he came out and we saw him ride at a, um, in super-class with the 250F, we knew it was going to be good, you know, like, he had this small truck at one point, like when he showed up the first time, like like a, a small mm-hmm. size truck, and um, Ellie was there, and you know, but I think it was it was actually really fun and um, uh, cool to witness, you know, like from mm-hmm. um, where I, he he came from and what he got, you know, like and obviously, you know, um, he beat us right away when he moved to the big class, you know, and. Um, um, he was he was better than us, you know. Like he improved uh, so much in, in in a few years. Mm-hmm. That was pretty pretty amazing. Do you remember the first the first thing we did as a team? Well, we did the World Cup, but then we also went to those World Supercross rounds at the end of '02. Arnhem and uh, Geneva. Geneva was the first one. And uh, Timmy, you were running. Oh, Chad, you were running second. You collided with uh, Tortelli, right in the air. Was that yeah, a, yeah, yeah. DV was winning, I think, and then uh, I think we crashed in the first turn as well. I think I don't yeah. know if I went down in the first turn or got tangled up in the first turn, but um, 
Yeah, it was, that was yeah, that was our first weekend away as a team. Yeah, other than, like you said, other than uh, the World Cup, it was kind of a good idea by Keith and Jimmy and all that to take everybody over there. I mean, we all went for two weeks or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, we were you know like when you think about it, I mean, like nowadays it was kind of like you know everyone was real standoffish, but Yamaha kind of forced us all to do it. You know, I mean, they made it worth our while. I mean, as far yeah. as like you know, Feld or, you know, whoever it was back then took care of us. But, right. um, you know, but we kind of got, as a team, we got forced to do it. Mm-hmm. And we didn't necessarily want to do it, you know. Like, we kind of felt like, oh, you know, Rick, everybody's like, oh, Ricky's not doing it. Why do we all need to do it? Right. I think that uh, for us as a team, I think it worked out really well. You know, we got to go and, you know, test the bikes and race in race conditions. And, and it was just kind of fun. I mean, yeah. for me, you know, being there a year, you know, well, should I say about a year and a half before I kind of knew the area and, right. you know, we road tripped with Timmy and Evie and it was, yeah, it was kind of a fun experience. Yeah. DV, you rode the bus with us, didn't you DV? Those guys took a train. We had to ride the bus. No, yeah, no I, I, um, I don't know where I was, but, um, Geneva is only four hours from my house in Prince. So I think I went oh, uh, okay. straight there. And after the race, I actually, uh, uh, went to my house and rode, um, during the week, uh, maybe I rode one or two, uh, two times, mm-hmm. and then I flew to um, I flew to Amsterdam to go to Arnhem for the second race, and then uh, and then we went back to you know mm-hmm. back to the US just after that. Uh, but I wasn't at the I, I wasn't at the Walker because I got a shoulder surgery that year. Oh, you so, were? Oh, I didn't know you were. You weren't. Yeah, no, I wasn't there. I wasn't. Oh, that's there. right. I, I was. Yeah. Um, I was still like. Um, uh, recovering from a shoulder surgery, so mm-hmm. so I came back late. I came back. Uh, I started riding mid October that year, so that was kind of like my first race back was Geneva, please. Right, Timmy, uh, you had to ride the four stroke via your contract, and you'd had some podium finishes. Did you ever? Uh, and we'll talk about the switch to the two stroke for you later. But watching DV and and Chad on the two strokes, were you ever kind of like, oh man, I wish I could get on one of those. Those look pretty good. You know, sometimes yes, but um, I kind of tried not to think about it just because it really wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll talk about it later, I guess. But I never thought they would actually ever let me ride a two-stroke again. Um, My manager at the time said, they're never going to let you go back just because if you don't do good, if you do good on this four-stroke, which I was doing pretty good on it. Yeah. Because that bike was a tank at the time. And uh, if if I go back and do better on the two stroke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to make that bike look really bad. So I just kind of just blocked that out of my mind. And, yeah. um, yeah, I, it, really the bike wasn't that bad. Uh, it just wasn't, I, I could only perform like, I felt like I could only perform like at certain tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of limited. So I'd have good races and bad races and I just couldn't be like there all the time with that bike. The, uh, the tracks had a lot of step on and step offs. Generally weren't very good oh, for you. <laughs> now that step on step off the bike would I'd have to land, wait till both wheels are on the ground, and then roll a throttle on gently. Mm-hmm. Because if I just tried to jump on and like stab stab the gas before my back wheel touched, it would just bog. Yeah, and uh, and I so think uh, I think that like you know not to turn it into a Yamaha bashing, but like I think that it's something that would like should be cool to talk about, like. I think what the general public don't understand, you know, like even in just some of my, you know, comments and why I left Yamaha really is, you know, like I was there, you know, like 
pretty early on with the four-stroke, you know, and Timmy was there even, what, two, three years earlier with the four-stroke than I was. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things that I've seen and witnessed and we all seen and witnessed, you know, it was, it was actually scary. I mean, those bikes were, for the most part, you know, just so unforgiving and, and mm-hmm. scary to ride. And, and, you know, one minute you were like, yeah, this thing's awesome. It's got good power. And the next minute the thing, just for no reason, the carburetor would blow off the back of the cylinder or, yeah. you know, <laughs> or, or it would bog and, you know, and next minute, I mean, I, I've, I've lost count how many t- times I was out at the test track and I seen Timmy get hauled out of there with an air, you know, by an ambulance because of, you know, no fault of his own. And, so I think that, you know, like a lot of my negative comments and, and reasons and, and really my only negative, I loved being at Yamaha and in a perfect world, I would never have left. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there was just certain things that they were behind on, you know, like we, we could never figure that out. I mean, I felt like we had some pretty good, you know, mechanics and engineers and whatnot. And we never, ever, until the day I left, they, that bike never, ever got fixed. It, we, it always had a bog in it. We put a lot of hours on the test track. Without you guys there, we hired some guys to ride it, to try to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Is that what happened to you, Chad, in uh, Detroit? Yeah, that was exactly what happened in Detroit. Like, I tripled up onto the table. And then, uh, yeah, like Timmy said, like, if you weren't perfect, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of stabbed at the throttle to get off of it. And, yeah, the thing just totally bogged out. And, had, you know, just and at that point, you're just a passenger. So, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, that was what... I never yeah, yeah. rode the Yamaha in, in Supercross, and that's maybe one of the reasons I actually left and went to sign with that Buku team, you know, because on my deal, it was I had to ride the post-stroke. Oh, it know? was? And, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was one of the reasons, you know, like the money was decent to stay in mm-hmm. California, and it was a factory team, but that was one of, one of the biggest reasons that, you know, I, you know, really, I left for more money, obviously. But that scared me because I did not want to ride Supercross uh, on a 450. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I rode a few years outdoors with the, the bike. And, you know, every all landing and uh, flat jumps, like, you land and the bike would bother, like, right. pretty much all the time. You know, like, and outdoors is okay because you land, there's no jumps behind. You know, like, mm-hmm. on a flat landing, it, if the bike bugs, it's okay. But like on a like on a step on step off or in supercross, it's really uh, um, it was dangerous and it scared me, you know. So that was also one of the reasons I didn't want to deal sign with Yamaha again. I can remember vividly when Honda came out with their bike. Um, well, I think it came out the year before, but we brought a Honda in, and look, you know, every team has every bike. You know, they all buy them. They look at yeah. them. The R and D departments. That's not a surprise. But um, we looked at the Honda and we weighed it and we took it apart. And we looked at it and we're like, oh, shit. Like, this is this is good. Um, Timmy, did you ever ride a Honda? Uh, or did you? were you scared to get on one to see, like, oh, hey, they kind of have the carburetor figured out. And this thing's narrower and it's it's a little <laughs> lighter. Did you ever get on one and be I, like, oh, no? No, I don't remember actually ever getting on one. Um, makes me feel better that Chad and DV... <laughs> we're feeling my pain back then, but <laughs> I, I mean, I was times I was definitely very, very scared. Um, and then it took me like weeks or maybe a month of having no episodes to really start building my confidence back. Yeah. Um, but and, and, I don't know, and, maybe in the, in the end, I'm kind of like sitting on this co- podcast going, "Man, I was kind of stupid." <laughs> um, well, and and to be clear, was just, it wasn't just me working on it that scared you either. It wasn't just me working on it. No, no, no. <laughs> 
Oh no, because it was it was even worse in two thousand and two. Yeah, it I remember. Was. It uh, was. Yeah, I remember that thing was a time bomb. Like I was, you know, I was staying for the summertime. I was staying at Timmy's house, and God, yeah. I was so scared, and I was I was so negative on a four stroke. Like I I hated the four stroke idea just because of Timmy. <laughs> like, we would be out there, you know, motoing. I I vividly remember just one day out there, and I was actually pitboarding for him, and. Uh, he had this pit jump where you kind of like doubled up into the pit and like right on the face, the thing just locked up and, you know, and it was like always seemed like right when you're, you know, you're trying to build during the week, trying to get better. And RC was on his 20, you know, 24 and oh, and you know, we were all working hard to try to stop that. I wasn't in the class, but I mean, Mm -hmm. as Timmy's friend and whatever, I mean, obviously I was trying to help him as much as I can you know, and Timmy was out there riding good and Mm -hmm. seems like, you you know, you, you take him one step back and then suddenly your bike, you know, locks up and then he's hurt and take three steps back and it was man it was really hard at the beginning to really like trust the whole four stroke thing you know like i just don't think that people realize how gnarly how gnarly those things were and and how unpredictable they were well and also too let's not totally bash yamaha because as, as we just talked about the four strokes and how unpredictable they were but also chad and dv the yz 252 stroke was a good bike Oh, I yeah, I think it was. It was the best, yeah. the best bike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, you until they, we'll get to the stu- we'll get to the aluminum frame. We'll talk about that in a bit. But the steel framed YZ250. I mean, DV, you were beating everybody on that thing. And Chad, you you still talk about that bike. So yeah, the the bike was yeah, it was pretty much the best one. You know, uh, uh, I think we they had success with. Uh, with McGrath, and uh, when mm-hmm. I came on, you know, I did good, and Chad did good on it, and like, you know, I think that they had it dialed pretty good, you know, like chassis, suspension, mm-hmm. engine, it was everything was actually working pretty good. Uh, Chad, at that, so this opening round, you won the opening round at Anaheim. Uh, Carmichael got second. Timmy, uh, you and I got third, mostly me, uh, and DV, you got fourth. So it was a good start to the year in '03. And uh, Chad, you and you and RC would go down to the wire uh, uh, to the for the title. Unfortunately, the last uh, five or six races were the exact same order every week or whatever. So it was hard to make up points. But uh, uh, it was a, it was a tight title uh, all the way to the end. But at some point, Timmy, I'll start with you because I want to get to Salt Lake City. Uh, Timmy, at some point, you and Chad start something happened. And what what caused you guys to uh, start friction building? What was it? Uh, I don't know exactly if there was any, like, one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that when you have three really good riders on a team together, mm-hmm. at some point it's like a recipe for disaster. Um, and I wanted to win. Chad wanted to win. DV wanted to win. And, yeah. uh, you know, Chad was one guy coming through, and obviously I'm the – I thought I wasn't really a veteran, but I did not want him to beat me. Right. And uh, so, so I think it's just more just the competitiveness and mm-hmm. um, being that we were really close friends at one time. Um, and then kind of we had some people that were kind of in between us. Right. That caused a little bit more drama, which is pretty standard in this sport. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, make things out to be bigger than it really was. and um, But I think more than anything, it's just, I mean, you got – Type A personality guys that that all want to win, mm-hmm. and uh, it's tough to have them in a confined area and on the same team and the same sponsors and the same trainers. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's just a, just more like a 
bad situation that obviously it, it obviously got resolved in the end. But oh yeah, um, it, it's uh, um, I think it that's why you don't ever see really I don't want to say this, but two really top guys on a team anymore. You know. Well, I was just going to um, say that you really don't look at. I mean, and Barsha's out next year. There was problems with Trey and him here and there. Honda what tried it. You don't see that anymore. You really don't. And I wonder if that's why. They just, you know, the money. Well, they have you. Roxanne and Benji, you know. So, yeah, true. Yeah. True, but one guy's leaving. Yeah, but but one guy's leaving. Going, yeah, I'm say, <laughs> one guy's leaving, too. And I, I yeah, but it seems like it's going it. pretty yeah. well. And, I mean, uh, correct me if, you, if I'm wrong, Red, but I think uh, I think more than more than even the fact that we wanted to win and, and whatever, I just think that it was the circumstances, too. I mean, you know, like you look at it, I think we were really, really close friends. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time around each other during the week and then on the weekends. Um, we shared the same trainer. We shared the same beer sponsor. We, we were at Yamaha. So I just think that there was so many things mm-hmm. that were the same. And in my case, you know, it seemed like like Red had a pretty tough year. He was, he was injured. I think he had a knee injury or something like that. And you know, and then towards the end, I think he had some like Epstein bar, and mm-hmm. so it was kind of like just there was like a snowball effect of things that were going against Red. And I think for me, I was winning, and and then you know riding at his track all the time, and you know, and as somebody that's now in that position where I have my own track, and you know, I have some of these younger kids coming in, and you know, they're making real good money, and they just kind of they don't really respect the things. And I think with age, you you, you learn that, and I probably we're doing the things that that some of the people that come to my track and do, you know? And right, so right. I think, uh, you know, I just think it all wears on you, you know, at yep. one point, you know, like I wasn't paying red to ride there. He was just being cool enough for me to ride there and, and all those kinds of things. So I just think it was just a, a, a number of things that all added up and, right. you know, and at the end of the day, we're, we're competitors and, you know, and you, you, you know, things shit hit the hit the fan really. We well, we had those problems yeah. with the with the with the the gear shifter uh, locking up going into gear, and Chad, when you rev the crap out of your bike and it locked up and it left a rubber mark on his new brand new garage floor, that really made him mad. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> it was wasn't, the, that was the that was the beginning of the end. It wasn't your fault. Yeah. There. It wasn't your fault because the bike did it, but Timmy was still was not happy about the rubber mark on his floor. I, 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 you know, we always talk about that. I remember Gothic Jake and out there with the panner and fixing it. <laughs> right. But I, I really, I written that actually. I really wasn't that mad about. I knew he had an issue with his bike. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. There's, yeah, you say you share the same trainer, same mm-hmm. clothing company on the same team. He had a much better bike than I did. Um, yeah. you know, in my in my eyes. So yeah, there's just a lot of little things that add up, and you know, yeah, um, it is what it is. And yeah. Salt Lake City. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. like off season, you know, and like getting back to how good that Yamaha 252 stroke was. I mean, in 2003, it was, it was badass, but it only got better, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when we when we got on it, like things got better. I think in 2004, we got a new front fork that I felt like was considerably better, um, you know. And I just think that people, it's kind of like the Honda days, you know. Like everybody was like, if you went on a factory Honda, you you weren't on any bike, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you couldn't win. And I honestly believe that the late nineties and early two thousands, if you weren't on a Yamaha two stroke, then I just think that you were at a massive disadvantage, you know, like we had, I think we had the best bike and chassis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had by far the best tires, you know, team Honda was on Dunlops, which they were just unbelievably bad. 
So, you know, and then they're on aluminum chassis with no bottom end. I mean, yeah. they had everything going against them, you know, where we had great engines, great chassis, good tires. I mean, mm-hmm. good suspension. It was I just think we had a lot of things on our side that were, you know, they were badass back then. DV, uh, you broke your back uh, at Daytona, so you were out for the rest of Supercross. You came back for the outdoors. But talking about these two, Red and, and, and Chad, having friction, did you ever have moments where you were like, hey, I almost, I should have been Supercross champion if I hadn't done a, a photo shoot with Maeda. And the year before, I traded wins with McGrath. Were there moments, DV, where you were like, what is this punk kid doing? Or uh, how? I mean, you're a pretty laid back dude, but. Was there any of that with you? Um, yeah, you know, it's, you know, there was the the Springfield story, obviously, you know, that everybody <laughs> knows. And, and uh, you know, that's pretty much the right, pretty much the only thing. You know, I'm, you know, I knew I was going to do this podcast. I was thinking about stories and if we had friction, and but really, like, that's pretty much the only story that you know we. You know that kind of pissed me off. You know that's mm-hmm. and uh, um, but you know is is you know Chad was kind of like being a cool guy. You know like in that uh, in '03 and you know he was like hanging out with Ensign and always like you know kind of like being cool. You know like right. and it was funny to watch. You know and we were a little older and more mm-hmm. like you know like yeah okay you know like I was doing my thing. You know right and. You know, it's it's obvious, you know, when you're young, and I was the same way, you know, when I started making money in Europe and winning GPs, you know, like, I had a convertible, and, and that was kind of like being cool, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's, and but the sprinkler story is pretty much the only one that kind of like right. comes to mind Can about friction. I remember one race incident, I think it was only one, it was in, uh, uh, I think it was Minneapolis, uh, 2003. Um, I think that's... It's Minneapolis or Indianapolis 2003. Uh, it's a week before I broke my back in Daytona. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a, a speed race, um, I think I went inside on Chad. And I kind of like took him to the A-bells mm-hmm. on the, under the, the bridge, the over-under. And he actually hit the, hit the A-bells and kind of crashed. And he was he was really pissed off after you know in the truck and we watched the video to see who whose fault it was and we were in the lounge and we're like oh great it's gonna go awesome but it was okay you right. know like we so we kind of like came together under the the bridge and uh, but other than that I think I was pretty laid back and you know always kind of like be um, mm-hmm. uh, cool and like funny and you know I think. I left it on the track most of the time, you know, I never right. really, um, or I try not to, you know, do it in the pits more than, than on the track, you know? Well, for people who are new to this podcast, recap the sprinkler story. Can you recap it for us, Stevie? <laughs> Isn't there uh, two of them? Maybe we're going to have two different stories if Chad says it, you know, but, uh, <laughs> my, my, you know, like it's Chad and, you know, Josh Henson being cool with the uh, sprinkler system, you know. So that's me, pretty much what it is. I don't know why they were, what they were thinking. Uh, I think I was with Bailey this, uh, at that time. So David Bailey was on his squad, and he's going to pitball me. I was doing going for like a twenty lap bottle. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's you know it's a Tuesday morning sometime in two thousand three, mm-hmm. and so I, I go. Let's say five laps, six laps, 
So David Bailey is footballing, and I'm trying to, you know, to beat my time or whatever. All of a sudden, all the sprinklers come on. <laughs> I'm I'm alone riding on the track. All the sprinklers come on, and Chai Reed and Josh Henson watering the track while I'm doing a 20-minute model. So obviously, I ride another lap. I get fucking wet one time, two times. At one point, I'm like, fuck this shit, you know? I, I go back to the... To the pad where the patio is. I go to my truck. I put my bike on the stand. I guess I'm so pissed off. Like I've never been get pissed off so bad. I don't say a word. I like take my helmet off and mm-hmm. smash it on the concrete. You know, the helmet is is open, cracked open. You know, I, I I leave it there. I, I stay in my gear, I put my bike on the truck, I fucking bail off and, uh. and go home. I was like so mad, you know? And all the guys, you know, they stayed and were laughing about it, obviously. And uh, my helmet stayed on the fence for like, you know, three months. Yeah, we put know, it up helmet. there. Yeah, we put it up. Like We put it up on top of the fence like it was some sort of reminder, like a... Like a skull, you know how the native people leave skulls on their. <laughs> <laughs> we put you, we put I your think, helmet. Uh, yeah, the helmet broke, and then I think uh, when he was driving out, a jersey flew out as well, and then uh, we actually kind of made like a scarecrow <laughs> with the DB's <laughs> helmet and his jersey on the fence. But uh, oh. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was being a punk and right. with Hanny and I. I'm not. I thought. I always thought that I remembered. Uh, we thought you were doing sprints. I thought you were doing sprints, and you would kind of like start, stop, start, stop. So then, uh, I think we. That was when I thought I did it, but maybe you were doing a moto. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. the 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 gist of the story is is I was being a punk for it's, sure. It seemed funny though. It was funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, that. that you was know, ten years funny. later. Ten, ten years later, it, it's actually a funny story. You know, that's something we can yeah. talk about. Timmy, what's like up? The helmet was at the track. Like, literally, I can't even believe that, like, fans didn't feel it or something because the, the just, helmet was just there for months, and it was just, like, it was just a reminder of kind of laughing every time about it. But, yeah, I mean, it was all good times, and like they said, I mean, yeah. we really, as three riders that were as competitive as we were, and, and truthfully... Like, I, I feel like I owe it to these guys a lot, you know? Like, just for me, my first year in the big bike class, I mean, I, I stepped in with a guy that almost won the title the year before, and Timmy was a podium guy, um, and I was kind of the young guy, and, and I was just a big sponge, you know? Like, I think some of my craziness that I have, I, I, I owe it to them, you know? I think some of my teams and my team members at this point should should blame those guys, you know, Timmy being super sensitive to ride height in the rear and mm-hmm. the way DV set up his front end and how, you know, finicky he was with his bike set up. And I was kind of young and dumb and just got on the bike and rode it. And, you know, now I'm one of the finickest, you know, yeah. most sensitive guys out there. And I, I feel like I owe it to those guys, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I just, you know, I think that at the test track, like I have nothing but good memories, you know, like we, I think we pushed each other really, really hard, you know, like I think that the reason why we all were successful and, and one of the reasons why I feel like I was able to be as successful as I was is, is honestly because of these two guys, because when we first got in there, I mean, we just, we, we rode, I mean, we, we were hard. And I think that Jim Perry, you know, love him or hate him. I think he was, he was a pretty good team manager in the fact that, you know, that he was always hard on us, wanted us to do motos and wanted us, like, I think he was good at, 
like uh, he wasn't he didn't let us as three competitive guys like be like oh yeah I'm not going to test today because DV's there and Timmy are there I don't want to show them what they got you know like yeah. all three of us tested together all three of us did motos together you know like I I really think that the camaraderie between the three of us as a as a race team was something that you don't see anymore and and I think that we were the last of of that era, you know, like Honda did it for years. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that we were the last team to have that, you know, like you said, like KTM kind of has it now. Um, but there's a lot of interference there, you know, they don't necessarily ride together so much and test together. And, you know, we're back then we just, we did everything together. Um, I, I actually, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that we were all friends, you know, like I think that we were all people that were mature enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, Timmy, what yeah, was... for me, for me, it was a, you know, looking back on it, you had three guys that could be on the podium when races. You know, we were always uh, laughing. TV and Chad. Hold so on, Chad. We raced every, every time when we were at the track, man. It was a race. Um, I know it elevated me a lot. Um, you know, just having Chad come in, he was young, and DV was winning, and right, and uh, but yeah, I mean, we were all three there. And we were testing parts, and then and we were going at it day in, day out. Yeah, nobody. I don't. I don't see anybody doing that anymore. And and uh, yeah, I think Chad's right. And looking back, it was it was a fun. Man, it was one of the, some of the funnest funnest years I ever had. Um, had racing. It was super competitive. And yeah. And uh, I can I can wait to go to the track the next day. So. Um, what were you cool. gonna What were you gonna say about the sprinkler story, Rad? Did you have something? You're gonna say? No, oh, I just remember Jimmy. If you talk about Jimmy Perry stories, Jimmy Perry just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> he must have laughed for an hour, and then at the end of the day, he's just still laughing. Right. And uh, being a being a team manager, you know, he's he obviously he's got to be fair to everybody, right. but he just could not stop laughing. I can just picture him right now. Um. Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny too? Uh, both the Chad and 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 uh, DV and, and Chad and Timmy. Whenever we would put something on that DV liked, tire, pipe, motor, cylinder head, neither one of you guys could ride DV stuff. DV, did you know that about that, about your setup? Yeah, I think it's, um, uh, my riding style is way different than every, all the guys, really, um, because I was uh, riding, um, um, I was rolling the turns a lot mm -hmm. and, uh, and using the bike being lean. Uh, I was leaning the bike on the flat corners and doing a lot of insides. And um, that's why my tires, let's say my real tire was a little rounder than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like a lot of people back then were turning uh, uh, in the corners like McGrath, you know, like kind of going mm -hmm. straight in and kind of like pivoting and going back again, which they didn't you know, really uh, need some uh, side grip on the tire, really. Right. Um and as far as suspension, I did not care if the, the suspension would bottom out or being a little soft on like all like on triples, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, all I cared is like it was whoops, you know, um, and <laughs> right. especially for the for the shock, and um, and also the comfort. My front forks were like way softer than everybody yeah. else because I I really needed some uh, some comfort in breaking bumps. And and also that would help me, you know, turn, get inside ruts easier. You know, if the front end goes down, obviously it's easier to turn. Timmy, do you remember trying trying anything at DVs and going no way? Because I can I can picture both of you telling telling us, like, what is DV thinking? 
No, I well, I remember when I went from the four stroke to the two stroke. They let me try his bike, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I felt like it was like I actually said I'm like I think they're trying to sabotage me because <laughs> it was it was like it was like two steps. It was like I was going to a two stroke, but I was also going to a two stroke now. I really didn't have a lot of bottom end, had yeah. more mid-range power. Like you said, he carried more momentum. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just very, very difficult for me to ride. And uh, like I'd land off the jumps, and I expected it to be there, and there was, and there was nothing. And the four stroke, you, know, you had a little, little that torque and stuff. So, yeah, yeah I remember, suspension-wise, um, I just remember them always saying, Supercross to outdoors, DV almost ran the same setup, mm-hmm. which kind of seemed odd to me, but. Um, hey, he made it work. That was the only experience. <laughs> right. Well, he was right. He was winning. He was winning supercrosses without the suspension. So, <laughs> congratulations, DV. <laughs> uh, Chad, do you remember anything like that? You, you, you Ch- Chad and, and Timmy, you guys had close setups for sure. But DV, you were, you were out there, and Gothic loved it. Gothic J, your mechanic. Well, oh, the DV setup. You guys need to try the DV setup, and we're like, shut it, Gothic. <laughs> and, and you know, talking about the DV setup. Um, Actually, in 2002, you know, when McGrath was kind of like struggling with his bike setup, mm-hmm. and arm pump, and uh, he, he still he was doing decent, but I think he got third or something or fourth in the championship. And um, at the last race in Vegas, he actually ran, um, it was maybe his best race of the year, and he actually ran my engine and my pipe. Can you believe that McGrath used the FMF pipe in uh, Las Vegas O2? Oh, wow. Yeah, and, I didn't, uh, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. and he asked, actually asked um, Bob Oliver to take the FMF tag off mm-hmm. so he, can, he could use with the FMF pipe and the Pro Circuit Sensor, kind of like my, my setup. Yeah. And uh, Bob wouldn't do it. And uh, so he ran, actually, with a FMF pipe that day. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, Timmy, it was funny, uh, uh, Salt Lake City 03, Chad's battling RC for the championship. You come back from missing three or four races. Somehow you never pull whole shots, but at that race you pull a whole shot. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously the whole thing with RC and Chad, you, you made an aggressive pass on Ricky and knocked him down. And, uh, Timmy, I always, we, we were laughing a bit because people were saying that you were out to help Chad, but at that point you weren't helping Chad. You were barely hanging on. <laughs> well, I yeah, I was not. In, I was trying to get back in race shape um, after being off for. I was mm-hmm. actually off the bike probably for six weeks, um, but not, not as much. Just not. I mean, it just would look so bad for me. Yeah. yeah. As as my image, if I went out and took Carmichael out, so it just seemed idiotic that that somebody would think that I was actually going to do that. Um, yeah, accidentally but, got the whole shot, and uh, I couldn't get out of those guys' way fast enough. Like, I, right. I remember making the left, going down the straightaway, looking over, going, oh, great. Well, they're both right behind me. How do, <laughs> how do I get out of this mess? Yeah. And uh, I did the best I could to kind of to do that. I actually checked up on the tabletops and let uh, – it was on, 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 I think, or something, and let, let Chad go, and I think, you know, RC was right behind him. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a tense time. Underneath our truck, at a Honda truck, and everything, Chad. That summer, you battled Red Dog at High Point. You guys went four three three four, and then you switched to a four stroke for the next race. Were you just at the point outdoors where you were like, I, "This thing is just—it's too much of a disadvantage." The two stroke. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I always felt that I was, you know, like my weakest link was always outdoors, um, and then 
I don't know what it was. Like, I just, I mean, obviously I raced in GPs and, and felt like I was, you know, a good outdoor rider. Um, I just felt like outdoors was so much about bike setup. And I think being the younger of the team and not really knowing what I wanted or, or what I wanted, I wasn't good enough of, you know, getting the most out of the bike and telling the guys what I needed. Um, and I just felt like I, I struggled, you know, in, in the U.S. and outdoors in general. And mm-hmm. um, the out, you know, as good as that 252 stroke was, like for whatever reason, I didn't, I couldn't get comfortable on it in outdoors. Mm-hmm. So then basically I just switched to the four stroke to try to learn that, you know, try to use basically the power to my advantage. Um, and, then, and then, you know, what I learned is riding it during the week and, and doing all that kind of stuff is so different than going racing with it. Um, you know, racing with it, it was a handful. You start getting, you know, alongside somebody, you grab a handful in the ruts and the thing just wants to stand up and go straight, not doesn't want to turn the turn anymore. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely learned like a whole new respect for Red Dog for how gnarly he was riding that thing outdoors, you know, just because of how, how difficult it was and how much of a handful it was. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Timmy, what happened in practice at Butts Creek that year, 03? That's, um, you were going for a hot lap. You were going a hot lap. Chad slowed you down, or the or he roosted you after the finish, or something. I don't know, but you guys. From, almost... what, from what I remember in my mind, which it could be totally different, but <laughs> I was on a hot lap, and and he was in the main line, and basically he didn't move over or something like that. And uh, I think when I went by, I, I I might have flipped him off or yelled at him or something, and then. And he, like, looked back at me and, like, went over his little stuff and went, crap, and his roof and his blasted me. And uh, it was just like my, like, the red hair and the skin just turned on fire, and I just lost my mind. Oh. So uh, it really wasn't a whole lot except for that I was on a fast lap, and I, I watch everybody do it now. <clears throat> they do the same thing. They, right. It's kind of, it's kind of the like sprinkler story, but you do not break a helmet, right? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I was I was still that mad. DV's pretty laid back, so but I was I was pretty pretty furious. But uh, um, I remember coming back yelling at you, yelling at Dave Die, and oh yeah, and, uh, Jimmy. But it was, but I, you know, looking about, back when we talk about all the stories, you know, me and DV being the veterans, I think Chad almost had to come into that team and kind of you know be a little bit cocky and a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, of the young kid, just, just to basically, you know, prove that he's there. And I, and I, and look, now that I look back on it, um, I admire that of what he did. He came in, he wasn't scared of TV. He wasn't scared of me or Carmichael. Wasn't scared of Carmichael either. He right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he just came in and he's like, I'm going to own this place. And, uh, and you know, he, and he backed it up. So right. looking back on it, um, I think it was brilliant. I think he did, uh, you know, there's times when I wish I could have, you know, been as assertive and as confident as he was. I think I could have done a little better. But um, looking back on it, yeah, he, he owned it, came in. And <laughs> the thing I like about Chad is that now is that he can have a bad race, but he still feels that he's number one and that he's going to go win. And I still think he still feels that today. Otherwise, yeah. he wouldn't be racing. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing, BTOsports.com. Proud sponsors of the uh, BTO Sports KTM team. Uh, they got OEM parts now, people. Carry them. They carry them. Take a look. Use the code PULPAMEX to save yourself money. Uh, anything you need for your biker body, BTO Sports has it for you. And, of course, Fox Racing, Dungy, Roxon, 
among others that wear Fox Racing. Check out foxhead.com or visit your local authorized Fox dealer for Instinct Boot V4 helmet and yada, yada, yada. Also, too, Racetech. Use the code PULPAMEX to save yourself some money. Uh, listen to this Racetech commercial. If you need suspension work done, check them out. The privateer's choice, Racetech. Thank you. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blose, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been along, around a long time, and their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech is the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Fee, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. No, we talk about that. And and uh, that, I was walking back from practice, and Dave Dye runs by me, hits me on the shoulder, and goes, Chad and Timmy are going to fight. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. And That's you guys, awesome. we all know Dye. And so you can picture him. What do you, you know? <laughs> um, But, and then, of course, Timmy. Did you run? That's, I did. A serious question. No, did you run? I did. I ran back. I'm like, holy shit. No, no, he did not run. He stole a golf cart. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I ran back because I'm like, oh, my God. At this point, the Salt Lake City thing had already gone down, and I knew you guys weren't getting along. And now now I didn't see what happened, but Dai said that you guys were going to fight. And I'm like, this is not good right now between you two. Of course, Timmy, you went out and won the first moto. Maybe that practicing had something to do with it. I don't know. But, yeah, I fired him up. I yeah, should, I should yeah, take credit for that. Take credit for that. You need the commission for uh, the bonus. Yeah. <laughs> but look, if you think about it, you know, those years with uh, Dave Dye, you, uh, Mattes, Gothic J, you know, Red Dog Reedy, and I, uh, Jim Perry, you know, that would be, like, the best casting of any team could dream of. Yeah. You know, like, it was actually fun. You know, we were working hard. We had, we had results, you know. Like, there was Carmichael, you see, that was, in a way, kind of. But, yeah. you know, the team, like, the atmosphere of the team was, was pretty amazing. You know, and, and we only have a few stories where we kind of, like, collided where, you know, some race incidents and some mm-hmm. practice incidents. But... You know, spending three or four seasons like that with yeah. was, was actually pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, that's it, why I, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I yeah. really think that uh, you know, like it just it's something that doesn't normally happen. Like, I really do think that you know, generally we all worked hard and we all had a common goal of trying to win. But you know, like we all, I, I mean, I have nothing but good memories. You know, like like you said, like we've just gone through this over an hour or whatever, and it's like. Literally, we've had two runnings, you yeah. know, and and I was kind of the the younger guy on the team, like you guys said, and and I just looked up to you guys and tried to be sponges and try to take it on, and you know, sure, I may have seemed cocky, but 
you know, that was, I was kind of the young kid and everybody knew it. And I almost got looked at as that young kid too, you know? So you just try to be, be cool with you guys and not be the dorky kid, you know? And, and I think that that's what Jimmy did well. Like, I think Jimmy actually played good, you know, good guy, mm-hmm. bad guy, yeah, good cop, bad cop kind of thing. And, and kept us all, you know, he kept it fun. I mean, as much as we all, you know, say that there's some negative things about him, but I think in general, he was always pretty funny and, you know, like he was lighthearted at most times and it was just, yeah, it was, it was good times, you know, like it's some of my most fond memories are from, you know, from Oh three, four or five, you know, swept the podium opener of Oh four, you three guys. Um, and I remember before Oh four Yogi was on the Mach one team and he was out at our test track. And I remember saying to somebody, look at these guys, all four of you guys were out there and it was like, wow, like, there's some serious speed going on at this track right now. Yogi and then you three guys. And then, of course, the po- the first race sw- swept the podium. So, like, you know, I mean. And was- I, think what, uh, I think what was gnarly about it is, like you said, we went from basically four four guys that could win races or, or, or contend to, four, you know, I should say three to four, you know, with Yogi being there. We kind of lost Jeremy, but then Jeremy didn't really have a good solid year at the end of, two, you know, 2002. So it was then Yogi in 04. And – I don't know if you guys remember it, but I visibly remember showing up to the test track one day and the track, I think we got some rain and it was really gnarly and Ezra was just out there just getting after it. And we were all kind of, I remember I was at least looking at like, man, I don't know if I want to go out there and ride. And Ezra's just like out there just motoing like it's not even muddy. So I'm like, all right, got to go out there. And then Jimmy's like, get out there, you pussies, you know, Yogi's out there. And I just think it motivated us. And I remember that. More times than not, Yogi smoked us at the test track. He, I mean, was, he was one talented dude at the test track. He was fast. Yeah. And, and, yeah, he was fast that preseason, which, I mean, we've known Yogi's always fast. but Yeah. DV, it, it was naughty. It was like, I remember there was those uh, dragons back. Uh, uh, he was flying through them back in the day. Yeah. Uh, they, were, they, they were scary. And he was always super fast. And, and Yogi was kind of like, when I was kind of coming in uh, 125 West Coast, like when I was flying here just for a month to race, mm-hmm. I was looking up to Yogi. He was pretty much my favorite rider. Like in 97, when he, he had the Yamaha number 11, you know, like he was, uh, he was my favorite rider out there. You know, I was looking at him and, and it was kind of fun to be around him at the track. You know, mm-hmm. I never told him that, you know, I never told him like, oh, he was but I always thought that was actually pretty cool that I was kind of practicing and kind of racing. He had the same bike and the same parts as us, you know, so mm-hmm. we're testing together. Yeah, because he was on that year. He was on Mac 1, but he had a full factory. Yeah, was, yeah. You know, same, everything's the same as us. Yeah. He didn't have yeah, the he bell, he didn't, he didn't have the bell bottom yeah. forks. He didn't have the bell bottom forks, but he had last year's forks. I mean, they weren't, they weren't far off. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Timmy, and Timmy, in 04, so you, did you get second or third of the opener? I don't remember. Red. Third. Third. The, the next week in Phoenix, you were the fastest guy in both practices. You came from dead last to fifth in the main, a great ride. And the next week, you fell in practice and broke your wrist. And that literally took you probably a year and a half, two years to get back from. Yeah, I pretty much, from, I know I, know I came back and raced some in 04 yeah. and raced some in 05, but. No, I don't really. I, I never really was racing. I, I was injured the whole time. So, 04 and 05 were were, were mentally yeah. and physically very tough years for me. Um, 
going back to the two stroke, man, when I, when I, when I showed up at Anaheim one on the O for the O four YZ two fifty, I just didn't, I felt like I couldn't lose. Like if I lost, <laughs> it was just because I didn't ride good. Right. Because the bike, the bike was so good. Um, and I remember, you know, maybe it's just me thinking back in the day, but the whoops were really big back then. Mm-hmm. And I could put the thing in fourth oh, gear. Oh, the whoops were gnarly. Yeah, I could just put it in fourth gear and just go wide open into the whoops. Mm-hmm. And this bike would just, it would it would never kick. It would never do nothing. And, and I finally felt really like like right. I wanted this for years, um, just getting the chance to go back and ride the two-stroke in 04. And, uh, yeah, it ended at the third round, but, um, yeah, that was, that, to me, that bike was the best. I know that some of the guys liked the 05 better. Yeah. I love the, uh, I love the, uh, the, the last year of the steel frame. The, well, yeah. And the, the, uh, the Phoenix, I thought Phoenix, I'm like, look at this guy. He's fastest guy in both practices. We got this thing. And I remember going to your house, Timmy, in November and you did three, you were doing three twenties. And their times were I was actually doing three thirties, three thirties. And your times were great. You were like the same. Like, I was like, holy shit. Look at this guy. He's on a two stroke and like, he means business, but bummer that you, yeah, you hurt your wrist or what, you know, you hurt your wrist. And that was kind of it. Let's talk about Chad. Chad. I don't know. I think you were the first guy to ride the aluminum two stroke frame. Um, we were told as mechanics, this thing is exactly the same, uh, specs and flex and everything is a steel frame they've mimicked the steel frame perfectly there won't be any difference but there was a difference wasn't there oh yeah i mean we got the same spill as riders you know we just uh yeah i i, I yeah i mean i remember just word for word you know like they're just like oh yeah you know it's like that's why it's got all these cutouts and it's, mm-hmm. just, it's identical it's just lighter it's like you know <laughs> right. basically we're gonna have which we did remember we had to add weight to that oh bike. yeah we had a lead pivot um, we had lead in, make, we had lead inside the pivot bolt to, to yeah yep. yeah and then uh but i i, I <laughs> actually I, I rode it as a stock bike at Casilla ranch mm-hmm. and and truthfully it wasn't that bad and i really couldn't tell the difference too much because i mean obviously our race bikes on supercross compared to a stock bike in the, you know, in the, in the Hills, mm-hmm. um, it didn't seem so bad, but, uh, yeah, when the very first day I rode it on supercross, uh, at the test track, um, I started on my Oh four bike, you know, basically just as I finished it, winning the championship yeah. and, you know, rode it was comfortable. And then immediately, you know, they put me on the, on the aluminum frame and, you know, right away, I couldn't get into the whoops. I couldn't like, you know, it was just noticeable right away. And, yeah. you know, we, we tried to, you know, basically fix it. And I remember to this day, I was like, Hey, let's, let's bring the steel frame back <laughs> and, you know, and try it and like, and use it as a tool, you know, like, Hey, like this bike's good. I want on it. Let's yeah. try to try to mimic that and get that, you know, this, the aluminum frame as good. Um, but it was kind of one, they just pretty much, I think they seen that as a negative and they took that bike, they put it inside that crate at the <laughs> at Yamaha and, and I never got to ride it again. So, yeah. uh, I, you know, obviously for me as a factory rider, I knew it was, you know, I knew realistically I was never going to be able to ride that steel frame again, yeah. but I think it still would have been a good tool. It would have been a good thing for us as a team to, to keep riding the steel frame and using it for a reference to try to learn and get that bike better, you know? And, and honestly like that, we never figured that bike out 
the whole time I was there. You know, well, it, it was all the way until 2008 that it took to figure out aluminum chassis. So what we learned and what I finished in 2008, yeah. I really wish we had a had that option in 2005 i think we would have been fine dv do you remember i built you a bike dv so you guys were all compl- kind of complaining about the aluminum frame you had a lot of the same complaints and i worked the, on a bike for you dv because timmy was hurt we, we 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 modified those steel the aluminum cones on the frame and we we tried to make it like a steel frame and i built you a bike dv i the brake caliper stayed on to um i built you an identical yz250 to what you run we didn't tell you and we we took it to the test track with another bike with the regular practice bike, and then this frame modified bike. It wasn't illegal or anything. It was legal to do what we did. And DV, you rode two laps and said, "This is a piece of shit." Do you remember that? Do you? It was- <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think that yeah, you know, obviously the the frame was an issue, and it wasn't as comfortable, and it wasn't as good in the whoops. And uh, uh, I think the biggest uh, improvement. Is when we went back to, I think we all ended up using the 2004 swing home, and uh, that made uh, that made a little um, improvement. But right. yeah, the bike wasn't nearly as good as 04. I still think the best two stroke I ever rode was 04. I and, uh, um, yeah. I remember uh, um, I must have put in 15 hours on that bike, and you literally rode it two 45 second laps, and you were like, "This is a piece of shit." I don't know what you guys did, but you, this is a piece. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you guys did, but the bike was vi- – I remember the bike was vibrating a they, lot. They thought yeah. it was flexing, and I don't know why they thought it was flexing, but someone thought it was flexing. So we stiffened it up is what the mods that we <laughs> did, and it was the wrong direction. It was the total Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I remember that day. Right. And, right. Uh, yeah, the thing was, you know – not good, vibrating a lot. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, there's no way I can ride this thing. And then, of course, we and, had to switch. Uh, yeah. yeah, we had to switch to the unleaded fuel. Well, that was 04. And, uh, like, I remember. Oh, was that 04? The biggest, okay. uh, yeah, the yeah. biggest change to 05 for, that I remember was, um, well, I mean, to backtrack a little bit, at the end of 04, it was a contract year for me, you know, and I was actually looking like I was going to go to Suzuki. And, and I actually rode the Suzuki uh, in the offseason of 04. Um, well, actually, during the season of 04, right, it was like two weeks before Ricky signed. Um, and then when I rode that bike, I felt like the chassis wasn't as good as our 04 bike and the suspension wasn't as good as our 04 bike, but the engine was like so much better than what our bike was. Um, it was really clean. Like, 04 was uh, our first year on, on Unleaded. And, uh, God, I mean, <laughs> we got stories but like you know they yeah. would they would gut, they would fuel up all the time they like they ran really dirty off the bottom you had to yeah. keep revving the crap out of them otherwise they fouled plugs and um you know all that kind of stuff where the suzuki just ran like it was really clean and so then when i when that suzuki deal didn't work out and then i renewed my yamaha deal i said hey right, now that i've renewed my deal for a couple of years let's talk about something and i was like hey i went and rode the suzuki um you guys, we have to make big improvements. Like their engine is much, much better. And it wasn't like, you know, and for us, it wasn't like Suzuki was really that big of a threat to us. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Ricky Carmichael was going to ride that bike, it was a big threat. So then it was like, okay, he has a good engine. We know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Let's let's work on our engine. And, and I think they made massive improvements. I think our 05 engine was better than our 04 engine. Uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't foul plugs all the time like our 04s did. And 
which I, I believe, Mathis, didn't we switch back on fuel? Like there was like one fuel that made like a bunch of horsepower, but it was just terrible yeah. and it wouldn't run. Yeah, that was the fuel we chose kind of was the weird. The fuel we chose that Jimmy chose, I think, was the best one on the dyno. But yeah, it didn't run clean, and we looked like clowns oh, fouling spark plugs all yeah. the time. And, and you know, everybody. Of course, there's a story, Chad, where I was trying to kick the bike, and you said take a spark plug with you, and I told you to f off or whatever, and then. Fouled the plug at the bottom of the start at the hill at the test track, and the rest is a disaster. Um, hey Timmy, how many how many air boots do you think you went through in your time at Yamaha on four strokes? <laughs> how many brand new and improved air boots uh, do you think we went through? Air boots or air glue? Both <laughs> the air boot glue. <laughs> are, are you talking about are you talking about the wire ties? Oh, oh, geez. Were you guys? Were either one of you at the race where Chad's car blew off on the Rocco's Leap and he just yeah. left his bike there? He just walked back? <laughs> that, was, hey, yeah, that, was, that was the first. Remember, we, we ran those ties on our bike, and just like you said, you know, like it just it seemed like Japan was sending us new air boots like yeah. every other week. Like that was the problem. And then they had this new glue, and I I remember it like it was yesterday. Like they're like, we got this new boot. We got you know, which I believe it, all it was was like the next year's boot. And then like we got this new glue, it won't come off. I'm like, all right, take off, you know. And then they pretty much demanded that they take off the cables because it made Yamaha look bad. Yeah, the media was. And, you know, I go do I go do uh, Laraco's leap for the first time, over jump it a little bit, and the carburetor blows off, and I almost go out the front. <laughs> And then I just was so pissed. I just like took the bike, and and as soon as I seen the carburetor was off, I just dropped the thing and walked away. I was so <laughs> over it. <laughs> and I'm like, put the cables on there. What do we call them? Tethers. Put the tethers, tethers on there. Yeah. And don't ever and don't ever let me ride a, uh, a Yamaha 450 without a tethers. I said I will not ride it without tethers. And, and, Timmy, and then they put the tethers on there, and I never until I re- left there in 2008. I never rode a bike without tethers again. <laughs> Tim, uh, Timmy, you're sitting there going, see, see. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I just I have some of those tethers in my in my shop. <laughs> that's awesome oh that's funny um and yeah, i don't know i don't I, yeah it was always a glue i know I, I forgot about the glue i kind oh. of blocked that time out <laughs> i forgot about the glue and the, oh. i remember the tethers and the, i didn't know about the yeah the softer boot a harder boot it was just always something dv did you have any problems ever Outdoors? Uh, with yeah, with the, uh, the four stroke, we had a problem with the gas that, that was boiling. And I was uh, practicing in California. Um, and the, after 15, 20 minutes, the bike wouldn't run. And I would call uh, Jimmy. I said, The bike is no good. The gas is wrong. Something wrong. I says, No, no, everything is fine. I'm like, Dude, Let's go test. Let's go somewhere. It's hot. There's mm-hmm. two motos. And, and we'll prove you the gas is, is crap. And, um, he says, okay, so we go to Yucca Valley, and, um, and Jimmy was there, I remember. We were there testing, and I um, actually went there, and I forgot my gear bag. So <laughs> my, my wife at the time had to come and, and bring me my gear bag like an hour and a half away or two hours away. Yeah. And we rode, and the, the, actually the, the, the gas boiled, and the bike wouldn't run. It was uh, bogging, and... and uh, and that's pretty much where, you know, I started using uh, pump gas in my practice bike, which mm-hmm. was fine. And and I told them, I said, I put 91 gas in my bike, and I can ride all day, and it's fine. Right. And um, 
And it's why in uh, the first year we went to Denver, Lake Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, it was super hot. And they went ahead and they knew about it. And they went to buy uh, pump gas. And we ran pump gas. In Lakewood for the first time. Yeah, we never had a problem. The other bikes, yeah. the other bikes were dying. Honda, Suzuki, all those guys. Yeah, remember? Yeah, I remember. And I don't know if uh, I think you guys all left and just left me there by myself. But um, <laughs> I believe that was '05 that we first went there, and we all we we never at Yamaha, we all never had problems. But then we got the aluminum frame on the 450, and then the next year we had nothing but problem. I don't know why. I don't know if the aluminum frame, mm-hmm. you know, was holding more heat or if they just didn't use pump gas anymore. But God, we—I actually ran out of fuel. It, it it just boiled and pumped out the top, out the end, and ran out of gas in one of the motos at Denver. I, I, and again, so. I, I don't—I don't want to like uh, keep this podcast bashing Yamaha because they, they've done a great thing and they had great bikes but I do want to no, I, I think it shouldn't be yeah, it yeah. shouldn't be looked at as right right I don't want I don't want people to we think went that through, right. you know, it's all like things that we're talking about really but don't you think so, this, there was this was VP's fault it wasn't yeah. like the the plug falling on the two stroke and the gas boiling yeah. on the 450 that was actually VP's fault the gas spec was not good enough and good thing that year like I remember like um, all those guys uh, uh, having problems like after the 20 minute mark in the moto and we would pass those guys and our bikes were running fine on pump gas yeah. and everybody else were using VP had problems you know? yeah. even Ricky had problems you know um, but yeah. well, what I was going to say well, I don't want to turn this into too much of a bashing but Timmy I'll start with you uh, you rode a Honda in 06 Chad you've ridden a bunch of bikes after you got off the Yamaha this this steel frame four stroke red dog, you won motos on it, you won races on it, but uh, I always say the Honda was a lot better. I really believe that. Like Carmichael's bikes and the you know, the, the, do you ever think about that? Those bikes were a lot better than our well, Yamahas. Yeah, well, I think when we you talk about Yamaha and making sure we're just not we're not dashing it, Yamaha did all the legwork I think for all the other manufacturers mm-hmm. and. Because they had the bike out earlier, and like you said, it, every, every you go to race shops and in the back, they got the other other brands there. So, you know, probably Doug Henry, Jimmy Button, me, and then on with DV and Chad. We were developing those bikes for the, for those manufacturers in a way because they had they could just go buy the, go buy the Yamaha. So Yamaha had really pioneered that whole that whole thing and. By the time Honda came out with it, you know they shortcutted everything. Yeah. So, so yeah, of course theirs was going to be better. Right. Yeah. I, I, I rode. Yeah, I, I rode the bike. Then, know, like, oh, go ahead, DV. DV, go ahead. I rode uh, the Yamaha in '06 uh, outdoors, and um, I did good. I think I was top privateer. Yeah. And um, and the thing was that on the aluminum frame, the, the bike was actually pretty good. Yeah. '06. You know, uh, yeah. '06. They got better. Uh, yeah, in 06, I didn't have any any issues with anything, carburetor or gas or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Keith Bowen was my mechanic then, and uh, he made a couple of mistakes, but um, mm-hmm. that that was uh, that was it. The bike itself actually was pretty good. I got a fourth at the first the first two races, in town and I point, and uh, yeah, I, I actually like that bike way better than the the uh, 05 actually yeah chad what were you gonna say yeah i was gonna say i think uh you know like timmy said like 
we were the test dummies, you know, Yamaha did everything. Like originally we were just going against 252 strokes. So really it was about just trying to get massive horsepower and then they would just point and shoot. And then that was the advantage. You were on a four stroke and you could get into the turn a little slower, but then you had massive power out of it mm-hmm. and they were good on the start. But then when Honda came in and everybody else, then that changed the fact that they had the power that we had but then they bikes handled where ours didn't handle, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remembered <laughs> in 2004 riding, you know, against Ricky when he was on that Honda. And, you know, we talk about the advantages of the, you know, how much better our 252 stroke was. I mean, Honda yeah. had the worst 252 stroke and he was at such a disadvantage. And then I think when you flip to outdoors, they had such a massive advantage. Like yeah. that bike was so awesome compared to ours. And, it was probably a good 20, 30 pounds lighter and, you know, <laughs> turned and stopped and it did all the things that, that we wanted Alice to do, you know. So, I, th- I think um, they were at 219 for weight, 219, 220. And I know our outdoor bikes, we were at 234, 232. So 10 to, 10 to 14 crazy. pounds heavier, uh, the Yamaha's yeah. were. So quite a bit. That's a lot. <laughs> that's not, that's it not is a lot. Um, sure. Uh, before we let you go, let's, uh, DV, uh, one of the things, one of the guys at Yamaha, when we were there that taught me a lot and was a great guy and is still around to this day, Bob Oliver, uh, literally started at Yamaha in 1980 or somewhere around there. He's still there now. Uh, a really good guy, a smart guy too, huh, DV? Yeah, I think all those guys, when I got there, you know, like, uh, Bob, John Al for suspension, um, and Keith, you know, they were pretty much the same generation. They were mechanic at the same time, back in the 80s. Uh, a great group of guys. You know, I think Bob was really quiet, uh, hardworking, knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously, you know, built great engines for two-strokes um, and, and also four-stroke. We had, a, you know, four, I remember we I used the uh, Doug Henry Supermoto super engine at Anktown uh, I think I got second overall with it, uh, and the thing was a beast. It was over 60 horsepower, and, and it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and seriously, all those guys, you know, like, it's maybe the, the best guys I've seen in the industry, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, not cool guys, not like having the la- latest, uh, you know, sunglasses or shoes <laughs> or like the older teams, you know, like you see all those guys being cool guys. And, you know, the three older guys that we were working with, they were all business. You know, they were yeah. really friendly uh, and working hard, doing their jobs um, perfectly. And, you know, what? I, I really loved working with them. You know, I think John and his style, same thing, quiet, funny, and kind of crazy dude with his uh, lemon gun at the <laughs> test track, you know, like, uh, you know, like doing crazy stuff, like, uh, cleaning his face with Windex all day, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so many stories about those guys. And, and you know, there's Keith, and then there's love him or hate him, and I love the guy. You know, I think that to this day, it's maybe the best guy in the industry I've, uh, I've worked with. And, you know, he's kind of like my uncle, you know, and I've, I've seen him at Anam one this year, and we talked for, like, um... We talked for like an hour, mm-hmm. and it was cool to catch up with them. And, you know, it helped me a lot. 
signed my deal, like working on my deal. He was helping me with a, with a bunch of stuff. Jonal's wife, you know, helped me buy a house. She was a uh, real estate agent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was like such a huge family, like something that we don't really see nowadays. Um, and and seriously, that was, you know, the best the best days of my career. And there also Steve Butler back then. You know, we, we didn't really talk about him. He was team manager, like, in 02, maybe mm-hmm. 01, 02, just before Perry. Yep. And um, also, you know, like, a great guy, um, Australian, that like Chad, you know, like, super cool. And um, seriously, like, a great, great group of guys. Yeah, uh, Timmy, you, you got along pretty good with John R. He, was, he retired about halfway through that 03 season when I got there, but uh, he was a smart guy. Yeah, I I, re- I love John R. He was uh, like DD said, there's no ego. He was mellow. Um, I I think that uh, in general, I think our sports lacking guys with experience like that. You would t- there was a time when I told him the bike was the bike's too stiff, and uh, and he, he and all he did was ask me, well, what is it doing and where is it doing it at, and I would explain it to him. And uh, the next day at Glen Helen, I won that next day. And uh, mm-hmm. went out in practice, it was perfect. I said, well, what'd you, I'm like, what'd you do? Did you make it softer? He said, no, I made a sniffer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. he was just, he was just th- those guys aren't around as much that can just read the riders, you know. No, and, no. They... And explain to them what it's doing. And, and he, I guarantee if we brought him in right now, um, he could jump right back into work and, and apply yeah. everything that – that he knows. No, they're they're still uh, around, Timmy. Ch- Chad's hired them all. <laughs> they're all yeah, looking for all right. looking for team two two. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, John was good. I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm a DV. I like you know liked all of them in our way. Keith was Keith is really good. We still talk about kids. You got grandkids now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Steve Butler, I I really enjoyed Steve Butler. Um, he was there in oh one oh two with me and DV mm-hmm. and. Uh, and the thing I liked about Steve Butler is when we had like an off weekend and I was going to ride and train, he would come out and ride and he would, I'd meet him at his house and we'd load up and we'd go riding and stuff. And, uh, he just enjoyed being on the bike and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember every Saturday or Sunday I was going riding at uh 395 with, with, uh, with Steve Butler. And, um, yeah, it was a good, it was a good time. A lot of good guys. And, uh, we, uh, that era, you know, really developed that four strokes. I think it says a lot for all the people that work there. Yeah. And Chad, you never really had much to do with Steve, but probably Yamaha yeah, Troy a little bit, right? I mean, you guys are Aussies, so you obviously knew each other. Yeah. I mean, I first, uh, I mean, obviously Steve was Aussie, so, you know, you, you have that natural connection with him. Uh, first time I ever talked with him was actually 2000 and actually 1997. Um, I came over for, uh, you know, some testing and then I came back again in 2000, uh, actually 99. Here I am stuck in the 2000s, but in 99 when, uh, uh, when I did a, um, a couple of supercross races and yeah, like, I mean, he was, yeah. I believe he was a team manager then maybe. And, um, yeah, I kind of met him and then he kind of introduced me to Keith and oh, okay. introduced me to Phil Ellerton and all that kind of stuff. So even going way back then, he was trying to, you know, like kind of yeah. hook me up with the right people to, you know, do it. And then, you know, you fast forward a couple of years and I was actually really looking forward to going to the team and because he was the team manager when I signed my contract. 
Um, oh, and then, okay. you know, then what, you know, then he got moved to R and D and then, uh, you know, and then Jimmy came on as team manager. So, you know, when I actually signed my Yamaha factory deal, uh, Steve was the team manager. No, oh, I didn't know that. Um, oh, yeah. So I was really looking forward to that. And I knew him a little bit. I didn't know it like, you know, I didn't yeah. get to work with him like these other two, but, um, definitely knew him. And, and then obviously, you know, I was there for six years. So, right. um, definitely got to work with him on a production level and kind of have my input on, you know, where, where we needed the bike to be better and stuff like that. And, and then just to reflect what these guys said, I mean, I, you know, there's so much out there. A lot of people think that I burn a bridge at Yamaha, but you know, it's, it's really not true. I mean, my, my closest friends in the industry, um, are honestly, there's, you know, it's Bob star, uh, you know, I can walk up to Bob star at a motor GP race or anything and pick up like we were best friends and talk about the old days and, you know, and in mm-hmm. Keith and, you know, and gear and all those guys, um, really the only guy I never got along with was, uh, you know, that Terry Beal, um, every, everyone else I had a, you know, a great relationship <laughs> right. with and, um, Come was on, awesome. Terry was cool. Pete, Pete He's was... still cool. <laughs> Be- oh Be- my gosh. Beal's cool. Beal's cool. Oh, stop. It, it's not, it's not Terry. It's his job. His job was, it sucks for us. The PR guy hey, and the team is the guy he we bled, He bled blue, because... and he was, dude, he was 100%. He was on one side of the fence, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I I love Keith. You know, I think that Keith, like, I think you can sit in a chair and tell Keith, like, you know, hey, I want this much money, and this is why I want it. And I think he'll he'll ask you, can you win? Like, he'll throw questions back at you that makes you, yeah. like, really – put you on the spot you know and i remember renegotiating my deal in 2004 i was you know at that point looking to be supercross champion and i told him hey i know what ricky gets he's this much he's a champion i'll i'm about to be a champion this is what i want and then he i remember him like asking me like do you think you can do this do you think you can do that and i'm like yes i can you know and and i fought for the you know I didn't want to wear blue gear. Oh uh, Jesus! Here 100% we go. Hundred percent of the time, I wanted to wear only you know fifty percent, and and I like really fought with him on it, and we we butted heads, and he had his idea, I had my idea, but at the end of the day, we met in the middle, and he let me wear it fifty percent of the time, and like I just I have nothing but good memories there, you know, like it was really fun, and it was a shame that you know that that things kind of like you know things involved, and I and I had to leave basically, but you know for the most part. Um, everything was really cool there. Well, Timmy, things got a little tense when you were uh, – your carb came off at the test track one day, no, nobody's fault. The next day I see your agent, Fred Brown, but walking through the shop, and I'm like, uh-oh. And then <laughs> then you raced a two-stroke that next week, and I stayed up all night Friday building you one. Things were got a little tense at times about not wanting to ride that bike. You, you rode both in that year in Supercross. Yeah, that was when they sabotaged me with DV motor. Oh yeah, yeah. I could, <laughs> I could not ride that motor. Um, uh, yeah, I rode it. The, yeah, uh, the next day I rode it in the afternoon. I missed missed uh, Friday practice. Yeah. I went. I went and raced it on Saturday and uh, got carted off in an ambulance. Yeah, you over. Um, you landed off the triple, and I don't know what you did, but then you flew over the burn. Was that the exit? Was that at Anaheim when yes. you jumped out? Yeah. Into, yes. Into the, yep. I landed like in the tunnel, tunnel on the on plywood and. <laughs> Did something to my insides yeah. or something, but yeah, you squished up it, your intestines. That was a that was a tough transition. Yeah, yeah, it it was it was gnarly at times for sure. Like I was like, uh oh, like I don't know what's going to happen here. As a mechanic, I'm like, I don't know what bike I'm building, what this guy's doing. 
So that was on I'm um, three, right? On I'm um, three, two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, thanks. So. Four. No, two thousand three. No, it, it was three. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was sure speed, right. it was a speed lane. It yeah. was a truck with a speed That's lane. That's right. It was yeah. And then uh, yeah. yeah, because in 04, it was already in a. Everybody was on a two truck. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was. It got yeah. it got a little sketchy. Yeah, you know what was cool though is that they were okay with me riding the, the two stroke, and obviously they they signed me to another two year deal the mm-hmm. following year to ride a two stroke in Supercross. So, yep. um, I, I was very very surprised by that, but um, they didn't they didn't take it that hard. I think it was just more it was. I was two or two or three races in and I was sitting, I think third in points or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now here I got to go switch to a two stroke. So, yeah. And, um, uh, but yeah, there was, there was no hard feelings as far as, um, as far as them letting me switch to a two stroke. Uh, and DV, um, you should have never left at the end of five. We told you that. I remember sitting to Glenn Helen. We're like, why are you leaving? And you're like, ah, it's money. It's super cost only. And we're like, you should have never left Yamaha. TV at the end of 05. I know, I know. Uh, he was chasing you know, the he was things, chasing but... the TV contract. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a good it, it was a good thing. You know, maybe it was uh, uh, too good to be true. Right, you know, but right. you know, I got paid all the way until I left, and uh, and it didn't work out. But you know, when I signed that deal for two years, that was my last two years, and I was I was gonna retire at the end of yeah. oh seven and you know it didn't work out and when it didn't work out i you know i drove home from uh texas from my truck and i went to see keith and i said keith uh it's um it was end of march or something and uh i'm like i have no bike i've no nothing and i want to race the outdoors and he said uh, no worries uh, I'll give you a bike. Uh, we'll find a team. So we found a deal with the Motor World at the time. And he told me, you know what? If you do good and uh, you get top three, I give you uh, the same bonus program you had last year. And uh, I did not sign it anything with Keith. And he said that. And, and I went that day in Millville in the mud. And I got second overall. And uh, two weeks after the race, without asking anything, I go to my mailbox. I had the bonus check from Yamaha for you know whatever it was, and uh, it was maybe like thirty grand or something. Right. right. And and I thought you know that was actually pretty cool. It's not like I needed, I did not really need money, but the uh, the word, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the world, the keys, you know, he said one time, he said, you know what, you get a podium, you get bonus, like factory bonus program, it's fine if you get top three. And I got second, and two weeks later, you know, the check showed up, and, you know, I thought it was, like, super cool. And it's why one of, you know, one of the many reasons I think he was actually a pretty cool guy. Well, cool. Uh, anything else, guys? Are we – I kept you longer than I said we would, but thanks for – Thanks for doing this jaunt down memory lane. Pretty fun times. Super team. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was good days. Good times for sure. I think that, uh, I mean, we. I, I feel like we could go on and on and on. But I know. It's, uh, you know, I think it was an era that we were the last of that, you know, like Honda kind of started it back in the day. But I think that we finished it, you know, like we were the last real super team. And and it's, it's good to see that, like, the memories that I have is, you know, kind of goes along with, with what these guys had too, you know, I think mm-hmm. Keith was, 
was really the the guy, you know, like he was the guy that we we all relied on, and and just like DV, I mean, his word was as good as good as a contract, and and and, and the shame is that you just don't see that these days. You know, none of the manufacturers are like that, and, and it's probably something that makes me sad. You know, that there isn't a factory Yamaha team out there anymore because. I think they're, you know, it's a legit group of people, and mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think that they really, they deserve a team, you know, like, I, I, it would be really cool to see them have a team again. You know, it's funny, before I let you go, uh, DV and Timmy, uh, obviously we talk a lot about the races, I've had you on my various shows and podcasts, and Chad, I just want you to know, your success, both of these guys on the other phone are living through your success, and when you won Anaheim's this year, both of you, DV and uh, Timmy, you guys were pretty pumped. Like yeah, the old guy. He's one of us. He's still winning. Go ahead, Timmy. It's kind of cool. I mean, we're we're having a conversation about three, oh four, oh five, and you know, Chad's still racing. I'm I'm kind of into another another career of doing something different. But and DV's been at it for a long time. So right. Chad's still at it, so. <laughs> the guy's still winning. Very cool. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. you know we're. Since you you know starting that team, I we I personally I'm like super supportive, and um, I even bought like uh, some team gear you know <laughs> last week you know so uh, I, I saw that I saw that that but, was awesome. Uh, you, now that you've got my number, you can just hit me up, DV. <laughs> yeah, DV. And I'm uh, I'm super like um, yeah, super exciting uh, to see you know like two two motorsport and. Um, you winning and winning on the Honda, you know, having that huge crash and coming back and winning on the Cowie. That, you know, it's kind of like you you never die. You know, it's like <laughs> going on, and it's good for us because we can rely. Uh, we can kind of put ourselves in in your shoes because we know you compared to the other guys. You know, yeah. And uh, since we've been with you, like. Ten years ago, it's actually cool to watch the race and see somebody that we know we, that we've been close to doing good, and 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 it's cool. And, and I really respect you for for what you did with the team and the decision you made, and with you and Eddie, and and it's actually really inspiring for for a lot of people. Thanks, Stevie. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, That's I really cool. And, yeah, I mean, I, and I think that uh, you know, I mean, it's been a tough year, but. I think honestly think that we can I can have a shot at winning the title next year, you know, like honestly that's why I'm gonna line up again, you know, and you never know when you know, as you two that have retired, you never know when it's just gonna be your time and, and I've always felt that I still have a shot at it, you know, like I think that you know, I look at this year and winning two races and the way R V was riding, like I really believe that I had a good shot at the title this year, but you know, shit happens and you gotta be healthy. So uh I'll get healthy this off season and come out swinging next year and have another go at it. <laughs> what, you, what were you going to say, Timmy? I was going to say I was going to do a couple of things that when DV was talking about, you know, Keith and the family and stuff like that. Yamaha being like a family back then. When my when my son was born, uh, Evan, DV bought him. Like, DV was really in the shoes, and uh, <laughs> DV bought him a set of Air Jordans, and uh, and also too when I won in '07, my last outdoor that I won I got I got a text I, I didn't even know DV had my number but here was 2007 and DV texting he's all happy that I won the overall so wow. um I know a few moments like that you kind of look now you look back you're like oh man that's we built a you know yeah. a friendship that'll you know last a lifetime and 
Chad, uh, uh, Timmy, if you need some tutu gear to wear around Trey, Chad can hook you up and just show your support. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody around my house wears tutu motorsports things. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, we got well, the kids hooked up. Right. Hey, thanks for your time, Chad Reed, David Villeman, Tim Ferry. Uh, I know that people are going to really dig this thing, and uh, they're going to love it. And thanks for going down memory lane and taking the time for us today on the BTO Sports dot com Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Have a good good one, talking guys. to you guys. All right. See ya. Good night. Bye. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over five hundred more great motocross podcasts. And the months and the years go.